0: Nathan, you want to keep the lyrics for that last song up? So this past Wednesday, um, I got to share with the worship team uh, something that a friend of mine from seminary had encouraged me with after you know, the, the after Easter deflation, uh, talking about staring into the face of God. And uh, with the worship team, um, I encouraged them on Wednesday and then through Wednesday through today to wrestle with, how, how do we do that? How do we best stare into the face of God? And we had some great interaction online. We got to pray with and for each other. And uh, I think throughout Wednesday through this morning, for me it was a very much a personal, how do I stare into the face of God? And yet this morning, uh, song choice, I just realized it's not just me staring into God's face. And it's not just us in here, but it's, it's I mean, the trees, the rivers, the, the, I mean, the nations, uh, and then into the heavens that are staring into the face of God. This morning and all the time. And I mean, lyrics to this, as your children, us, gather in peace, all the angels sing in heaven. I mean, your temple, all that I seek is a glimpse of your holy presence. The heavens can't hold you, but you choose to dwell in me. My desire is to hold on to you. Oh, that's good. And we could just finish with that. Amen? All right, be blessed, have a good week. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Wow. I mean, seriously, that that was good for my soul this morning. It was good for my soul. Hopefully the same for you guys. Uh, We're in week four of a series in the biblical book of Hebrews. I told you in week one that this is a challenging book, a difficult book to to wrestle through to completely understand. So we were kind of taking the tactic early on of looking at what it says Jesus is. Jesus is dot dot dot, and we've looked at three things that Jesus is. Anybody remember what any of those were? Pop quiz: three things Jesus is. Okay, human, true humanity. Good. Yeah. Uh, one was God. God. God's son. Yeah, Jesus is God's son. That was week one. Jesus is true humanity. Week two, and last week, I realized it was seven days ago. A Long time. You guys remember what we talked about Jesus being? A perfect pioneer. Good. Good. This morning, we take another Jesus is. Are you ready? I almost feel like we need a drum roll to build it up. Okay? So Jesus is greater than angels. <gasps> Did you guys hear that? Kind of dull thud. Yeah, Jesus is greater than angels. For us today, 2014, First Free Methodist Church, for people who have been following Christ for a while, who have the hindsight of 2,000 years, that's one of those like, well, duh. Of course he's greater than angels. But for the people that the author of Hebrews was writing to, that was a powerful statement. It was a powerful statement. So keep in mind that when we talk about Jesus being greater than angels, the original audience would have heard that and thought, really? Wow. Because in that time, the community at large, population culture at large was really getting this high view of angels. And they were getting this view because more and more people were being impressed with the transcendence of God. The bigness, the greatness of God, the separation between God and man, the distance. They were, uh, for them, feeling like God was farther and farther away. He was more unknowable, more unreachable. And as a result of this, they said, well, angels. Angels can be our go-between. So they believed that God spoke to them through angels and that the angels then carried their prayers back up to God. That was a bridge they needed to to fill this gap between this hugely transcendent God and themselves. So angels for them were go-betweens, liaisons between God and man. And you can see that in, in passages from Scripture. Listen to what Paul writes the church in Galatia. He says in chapter three, verse 19, he says, "Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to the last. The, the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses. There's that mediator that, that, uh, that in-betweenness. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and people. That's the Apostle Paul writing about that. There's some of a hint of an understanding of angels. You look at what Stephen told the Jewish high council in Acts chapter 7, verse 73, or 53. He says, you deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Okay? Okay? God wants to communicate with people. He's going to use angels to do it. You're going to see this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. This high view of angels, this, this intermediary view of angels. How good do you guys remember the, uh, the Exodus story? How good do you remember uh, Moses going up on the mountain and getting the law? You remember in that story that it was God gave you know the two tablets to a whole bunch of angels and they brought those whole bunch of the, the, all those angels brought the tablets to Moses and they gave them to him one by one, right? Do you remember that story? Yeah, Colleen's like that's not the way it goes. Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, written by the finger of God. God gave Moses the law. And yet Galatians chapter 3, Acts chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 2, talk about angels Gave Moses a law. I'm not going to debate the discrepancy so much as to point out the fact that in that time, in that culture, there was a, a, an elevating belief that angels were this interme- intermediary between God and man. They believed that in order for messages to be delivered, angels needed to do it. And scripturally, this does take place. Okay, Angels do deliver messages. Uh, who was the one that uh, announced Jesus' conception to Mary and Joseph. The angel Gabriel, right? Who was the one that announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds? A whole choir of what? Angels, right? Jesus himself spoke of angels. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus says, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little children, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. From the Old Testament, where the, uh, the original listeners of Hebrews would have developed their theology of angels, we continue to see, or we look back and see, this high view of angels. Angels spent time in the presence of God. 1 Kings chapter 22, you can just listen. says, Then Micaiah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the armies of heaven were who? Angels, right? Not a trick question. Okay. And the leader of those armies of angels was the person who talked to Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him, sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and said, are you friend or foe? Neither, he said, I am the commander of the Lord's army. Of course, at that, Joshua fell to his face. He realized he's in the presence of an angel. And you got these high view of angels. And it's not just, you know, they're great, they're awesome, they're intermediaries, but they're all over the place. The, the Jewish belief or the, the customs, the, the culture in that day believed that there were millions upon millions of angels. Angels that controlled the movements of the stars, that controlled the never-ending succession of the years. There was an angel over the sea, an angel over the frost, the dew, the rain, the snow, the hail, the thunder, the lightning. There were recording angels who had good penmanship because they wrote down everything every, every single human ever did. were angels of punishment, angels of destroying, the angel of death. Uh, every nation had its own guardian angel. Every individual had its own guardian angel. These were the common beliefs and understandings of angels, of the people to whom the book of Hebrews was written. Now you can kind of see why when I say Jesus is greater than angels, there wouldn't have been a dull thud back then. There would have been a, really? But with this, with this elevated view of angels comes a danger. Uh, William Barclay, a commentator, wrote in 1955, he said, The danger, even though the doctrine of angels is a very lovely thing, was that it put a series of beings other than Jesus through whom man makes approach to God. That's the danger of this elevated view of, of angels and these, as inter, intermediaries between a God and man. It puts something other than Jesus in the way of man making its approach to God. So our author of Hebrews addresses this. He hits it head on and he says, Jesus is greater than angels. He's greater than angels. If you haven't yet, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Um, As you're turning there, I want to point out that verses 6 through 13 of this chapter, they're all quotes from the Old Testament. Uh, What the author is is writing is like this mini uh, position paper. Did you guys ever have to write those in high school? Anybody know what I, say, what I mean when I say position paper? You, you state a position and then you, you use outside sources to support it. Uh, what? A persuasive paragraph. Thank you. I grew up in Montana. We use different language over there. <laughs> Take a position or else I'm going to shoot you. Okay, so he's doing that. Uh, he's writing a persuasive, if nothing else, a persuasive paragraph. I decided not to go back and look at each, uh, each um, text that he was using from the Old Testament passage. I'm simply trusting that the author of Hebrews used the texts that held weight to the listeners of Hebrews. So I want to remind you what the author of Hebrews begins his letter with. It's all about the greatness of Jesus. I'll read just the first three verses, and then we will look at how great Jesus is compared to angels. So Hebrews starts out, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to a Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of God at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And now we jump into this section of, and this Jesus is greater than angels. And let me tell you about all these different ways he is. The author says, first, Jesus is greater by name. By name, verse four and five. This shows, so what he had just wrote, he says, all this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. Just as the name of God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. Today I've become your father. But God also said I'll be his father and he will be my son. So the name Jesus inherited is greater than any of the angels names. The author is not saying that uh, in our English language J-E-S-U-S is better than G-A-B-R-I-E-L. He's not saying that J-E-S-U-S is better than M-I-C-H-A-E-L or any of the other names of, of the, of the, of, of the uh, angels. It's not just the, the way you spell it that made it great. In Scripture, the name of somebody, i shared this with you before, the name represents everything that a person was. It was so much more than just a title that you got somebody's attention by. So if a king sent an emissary, and this emissary came in the name of the king, it meant that they were coming with the full weight of who that king was, with all of them, every facet of them. And God held a high view of names. Let's test your Bible knowledge again. What's the third of the Ten Commandments? Hint, we're speaking about names, and one of them talks about, don't use my name in vain. What is the third of the Ten Commandments? Do not use the name of the Lord in vain, right? God has a high view of names. So our text says God never gave a name, an overallness like Son to any of the angels. He never gave an essence as described as, you know, like a piece of God, an heir, a son to any of the, na- of the angels. This, this name, Son, Messiah was reserved for Jesus. So in name itself, the author says, Jesus is greater than all the other angels. And he could have stopped there, but he didn't. He continued. He says, you know what? Jesus also is greater because of his position. He's greater because of his position, or or maybe I would say he's greater because of the angels' position. Verse 6 And when he had brought his supreme son into the world, God said, Let all of the angels worship him. Let all the angels worship him. Would somebody who is greater worship somebody who is lesser? Not usually, right? No. It's just not the way it works. Now the word worship here means to do reverence to, to go down on one's knee in front of. It's, it's made up of two words meaning towards and to kiss. So properly it means to kiss the ground when prostrating in front of somebody who was superior, ready to fall down. It's the same word that was used to describe what the, the wise men were going to do when they found Jesus as they were looking for him. We have come to worship him. Hebrews 1.6 says, let all the angels worship Jesus. And it sounds, pretty clearly, it, sounds, it sounds pretty clearly stated that Jesus is greater than the angels by the sheer instruction of God, saying, angels, it's time to bow, it's time to kiss, worship Jesus. So two reasons. Jesus is greater than the angels. First, his name. Second, angels are called to worship him. Let's keep going. We've got verse 7. It says, regarding the angels... He sent his angels, uh, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. Now, this is the start of an argument that the author is going to say, and in, in Jesus is greater than the angels due to his longevity. Due to his longevity. Verse 7 again, hear it. It says, he sends the angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. Most people in that culture believed that angels were immortal. They'd live forever. But there was a growing belief that angels only lived for a day. In fact, one quote I found said, Every day God creates a new company of angels to utter a song before him, and then they're gone. A rabbinical homily has one angel say, God changes us every hour. Sometimes he makes us fire, at other times he makes us wind. That's coming from that time period. So it's to this short lifespan that the author of Hebrews is, is talking about longevity. Uh, how long is wind here? I was kind of hoping uh, Ziva would be right here, and I was going to go, right? Not very long. Okay, how long is fire here? And this shows my uh, loopy this morning. I was going to grab a lighter upstairs and light it, and it's gone, right? So wind and fire, uh, even at the longest they're here are often gone really, really quick, right? Here one moment, gone the next. But the author of Hebrews says this is not the case with Jesus. He's here forever. Verse 8, the front half of it, says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. And jump down to verse 10. He also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain, when? Forever, right? They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. What's longer? Here's my pretend lighter. (laughs) Or forever? Come on, easy question. Forever, good, good. Jesus' longevity made him greater than the angels. Are you tracking with me? So far, what makes him greater? His name, the angels' position, bowing down before Jesus, and Jesus' longevity. The author wraps up his position paper with one final statement. He says that Jesus is greater than the angels due to his role compared to the angels' role. His role versus the angel's role. Look first at the angel's role. This is verse 14. It says, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Your versions may read a little bit more like this. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Hey, let's be candid with each other. That's a huge role. That's a huge role. I mean, ministering to, caring for God's children, those inheriting salvation. Not just us, but Christians in general, we're a pretty ragamuffin bunch of people. Yeah? And these angels are called to care for us. That's, um, uh, is the word ginormous? That's a ginormous task. But it pales in comparison to Jesus' role. It pales in comparison. He is charged with ruling and reigning over everything. Everything. Verse 8 and verse 9. But to the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. The mental image of one ruling uh, should be heightened by the, word of the use, by the use of the word scepter. This is, uh, you know, a ruling rod, a staff carried by people with authority, a stick carried by people who you listen to. The awesome part is what Jesus is ruling with, and this may be a slight rabbit trail. He's ruling with justice. A lot of your versions say he's ruling with righteousness. Now, the word used there, uh, it was so long and too big for, and too hard for me to uh, pronounce, I didn't put it on the screen, but it's used 37 times in the New Testament. And each time that word is used, it's, it refers to what is deemed right by the Lord after his examination, what is approved in his eyes. That's pretty cool to think of Jesus uh, ruling with a scepter of things that are right in God's eyes his measuring stick. So Jesus rules by all things deemed right in God's eyes, and he reigns over all. He reigns over all. Verse 13, God never said to any of the angels, remember Jesus is greater than the angels, so God never said to any of them, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Sitting at the place of honor, which was also mentioned in chapter 1, verse 3, and reigning over all his enemies. That's a pretty amazing role, yes? It's a pretty huge task. So the author in this section kind of concludes with, so Jesus is greater than the angels. Where do we go with that? I mean, I said at the beginning of the message, and we got this dull thud, and well, duh, we know that. Okay? What do you leave with today? Hopefully you don't leave thinking I gave you this complete doctrine of angels. I taught you everything there was to know about them. I have not done that. My hope is that what you'll leave today in seeing how the author addresses how much greater Jesus is than angels, you'll leave being reminded that we don't need any other intermediary. We don't need anybody else to stand in the gap other than Jesus. Now we may think, oh, of course we know that. But let's kind of look around at ourselves. Let's look around at culture today. We still have a pretty high view of angels, right? You ever seen that bumper sticker? Caution, never fly faster than your angels can fly, your guardian angels could fly. I want to I cross that off because usually that's, that's on a car being driven by somebody with a coffee in one hand, a cell phone on another hand, and a little dog going yip, 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 yip. Don't, don't drive faster than your coffee would spill. Not your guardian angels. There are still people today who think that we need angels to communicate with God. That's not true. It's not true. This past week, as I, as I sat and wrestled with you know, how we, how we wrap this message up, I, I had to wonder. Is there anything in, in my life? Is there anything in our lives? Is there anything in the church in general's life that we think we need to do or, or need to be in order to have a, co- a better connection with God? You know, do, do we have to give more to charity? Do we have to do more acts of, of good deeds? Could those be our types of angels where that helps close the gap? Perhaps if my prayer corner was cleaner or if I hung more Christian posters on my walls or if I set every one of my radio stations in my car to 104.9 or 101.9 if you prefer a little bit heavier Christian music, okay? Would that bring us closer to God? Could those be our types of angels? Do any of us think, not just us in here, but the church in general, do we think that maybe there's somebody else who has a closer connection to God than that we need to go to to have, you know, I'm not being. I'm not being critical. There's uh, there's been people who have come to me and said, "Hey, Pastor, would you pray for me?" I love praying for people, but I cringe when it's followed up with because you've got a better connection with God than me. You've got a direct line. So do you? Yeah, I cringe. But Pastor, pray for me as you are closer to God. For him, I'm not an angel, and I'm not playing that role. I I don't want to be a liaison. Two people for God, because Jesus has already done that. I'm not an, interme- an intermediary. It's Jesus' role. He's already fulfilled it. Do we ever do something like that? Does the church in general ever do something like that? We've got to realize that Jesus has already accomplished that role. We looked at this at the sunrise service uh, last week, but this it's, it's worth reading again. It's Hebrews 10, 19 and following. You can just listen. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we, 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 not angels, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Notice he doesn't say, let's grab a whole slew of angels and we'll let them help us go into the presence of God. He says, let us go there because of Christ's blood, his sacrifice. Jesus himself is the bridge to God. He's closed the gap. I want to encourage you guys. I want to challenge you. I want to remind you of that truth. We don't need any other human being to go to God. We don't need any supernatural being to bring us into the presence of God. Jesus paved the road for us. Now, perhaps at times, we'll need angels whose job it is to care for us to remind us of this truth. Hey, don't forget, you can go. But our expectation is not that they would then take our prayers to God and and God's response would be uh, sent back through them. Angels won't, they can't, they didn't play that role. Jesus did. And Jesus is greater than angels. Think deeply about that. Consider what that means for you this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus this morning we put another uh, notch in our belt if you want to call it that of of what you are. Uh, you are a God's son. You are true humanity. You are the perfect pioneer and you are greater than angels. Jesus I thank you for that reminder this morning that that we can come directly to you. We're not taking anything away from the jobs of of angels. We believe they're there. We believe they, they watch out and they care for us. But We believe fully because you tell us to that we can enter into your presence boldly and confidently because of the blood of Christ. Help us to remember that. Help us to be impressed by the fact that yes, you are greater than angels. And may we take delight in knowing that this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. The lyrics are just ripe for a message like this. It talks in a few different places about angels and what their role is and our response to them. See if you can pick it out as uh, as we close in this song.
1: Eternal God, unchanging, mysterious and unknown. Your boundless love, unfailing, Twin grace and mercy show. Bright seraphim in endless flight around your glorious throne they raise their voices day and night in praise to you alone hallelujah glory be to our great God hallelujah Glory be to our great God Why don't you stand with us this morning Lord we are weak and frail Helpless in the storm us with your angels and hold us in your arms, our cold and ruthless enemy, his pleasure is our heart, rise up, O Lord, and he will be before our sovereign God. Hallelujah, glory be to our great God. Hallelujah, glory be to our great God. Let every creature in the sea And every flying bird Let every bounce and every field And valley of the earth Let all the moons and all the stars In all the universe To the living God who rules them by his word. How do, Glory beats you, a great God. How they do, Glory beats you, a great God. they do yeah glory be to our great god how they do yeah glory be to our great god how they live Glory be to our great God, hallelujah, glory be to our great God.